It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Accounting for over 70% of the gross domestic product, the consumer is of vital importance to the health of our economy and to the stock market. So is the consumer healthy or are they starting to buckle under the weight of soaring inflation and rising borrowing costs? We're exploring that and more this hour of the Wise Money Show. That's right. The state of the consumer. That is right. If you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help as well if you have if you have needs, and we're going to be talking about that, like it's going to be get personal. So uh, we're here to help. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com is where you can find us and reach out to us there as well. And then all over social media, just search the Wise Money Show. Okay, so so yeah, let's get let's get let's get personal. How strong are you feeling right now as as a as a consumer financially? Do you have a stable financial footing you know we often refer to it as your financial house is it is it does it feel like it's on solid foundation or is it is it a little flimsy or maybe are you feeling a little vulnerable the economy this is gonna get a little geeky the economy and the stock market they're two different things but they're unequivocally linked they are connected okay and so the consumer though is linked to both of them the consumer makes up about 70% of GDP. So as the consumer goes, you could almost argue, so goes the economy. That's so. exactly right. You know, every time that you and I uh, are out spending money on the, the smallest things or the biggest things, we're driving economic activity. And uh, our, our economy is, it's robust, it's huge. It's um, obviously the, the largest in the world. And uh, to, to think that the, the consumer themselves, our own activity, is the primary driver, you wouldn't necessarily know that if you were listening to politicians <laughs> all the time um, or, or maybe even some business uh, owners. But the reality is, um, yeah, the economy is counting on you and me to be in a healthy spot and to be, uh, you know, ho- hopefully remaining active. That Now, you see in some uh, countries there's propaganda during the economics <laughs> recessions where they say, go out and spend. No, no, no. It's not on your back, guys. Don't, don't feel that personal responsibility. Before we get into it a little bit further, I'm looking at a report, a breakdown of GDP for last year, for 2022. And consumer spending uh, was pretty stable, growing around 1% to 2% each each quarter, okay, on an annualized basis. Government spending, though, was wild. It was negative. It detracted from GDP in the first two quarters when we had negative declining GDP. And then it rose significantly in the final two quarters, of course, helping to boost GDP. Imports, exports, that was volatile as well. Um, and fixed investments were pretty awful the entire year. So, So the consumer last year was fairly steady. So here's the thing. Let, let's just open it up. And then we're going to apply it, obviously, with financial planning and bring it back to you. But, you know, we've got soaring prices, highest inflation in 40 years. Uh, we've had, you know, and, and coupled with that, huge increase in, in asset prices. So if you're buying a house, if you're buying a vehicle, 
if you're buying chicken wings, you know I was going to make that reference, right? All of those of prices are up. Um, but then if you're borrowing money to do it, if you don't have the cash to do it, interest rates increased massively. So overall, I guess, how's the consumer doing? Guys, let's just start wading into that in general. Well, if you if you it depends on what you're looking at, but there are there seems to be a, a, a some sort of paradox because it seems as though demand is still very strong. The unemployment rate is very low, even though every day we seem to be hearing about a, another company that's laying off thousands of workers. I mean, can, can we just hit this? This is going back a little bit, but January, January jobs report, we added a half a million jobs and the unemployment unemployment rate dropped to a 53-year low. I was not expecting that mm-hmm. because all of you know late January and into February, we were hearing layoffs. And yet I was shocked by that jobs report. So, so right, Kevin, there does appear to be this paradox. Well, if you're in a situation where everyone who's looking for a job or for every job opening, um, and I'm saying this backwards, for every job seeker, there's 1.7 job openings. So round up and just call it two jobs for every person looking for a job. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of employers that are uh, bummed to not be the one getting that, that new employee added or whatever. But that right there is what a strong position to be in if you're a worker or seeking a, a job. And obviously, most consumers are still in the workforce. So this one you, you would put in the positive um, column for how the health of the consumer is is shaking out. But it's very much a mixed bag, though, as, as Kevin was saying. It depends on what you're looking at. Um, you know, all those workers that are, um, are, are looking for a job and have lots of options available to them, uh, they may be struggling to find housing, some of them, mm-hmm. or at least affordable housing. I, I was uh, looking at a chart here recently that showed basically the affordability of housing is hit uh, the lowest level in about 37 years. Mm-hmm. Imagine that if you're a 37 year old and this is the least affordable time for you to be buying a house in your lifetime. You say 27? 37. <laughs> but imagine if you're fresh out of school, trying to start your life, you're you're under the weight of all this student loan debt that you haven't had to pay on for three years. I'm, I'm, I wish you could see my face. face. I'm joking there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, You've had this dream of, I want to stop renting, I want to buy my first place, and you can't even afford to do that. And, you know, if you could afford the higher price, affording the interest rate that's now twice as much, I mean, do you do you pass or what do you do, right? So, it and the... Well, it, I, I think, I mean, today we're talking about the consumer and is the consumer vulnerable or strong? The, the strong consumer has an option. They can pass, they can wait it out, they can keep renting, or they can go for it and buy a house. Um, certainly, if you've never owned a house, there are great programs for first-time homebuyers. But if you're a vulnerable consumer, you, you have one choice, and that is to continue to rent. Which, obviously, those you know, rents are going up as well. Right? Ab- yeah, well, absolutely. The, 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 if you look at the graphs of... Um, affordability of rent, it's it's off the charts. And so what are they talking about? They're talking about rent controls, which unfortunately has never solved anything. Mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, I still go back to this 
whole idea that all of these houses from 2020 to 2022 that were taken off the market for short-term rentals aren't single-family residents anymore. Like people aren't going to go and live in those houses, mm-hmm. and they they haven't built at least in our area they haven't built out to replenish that demand. Mm-hmm. Market Watch, uh, a, a financial news outlet: two thirds of Americans expect the housing market to crash in the next three years. So talking about is that was that from two thousand nineteen? <laughs> yeah, it might. No, I mean, I'm, it could I'm be, right. That's an that's an evergreen article. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it. The the longer um, you are on this earth, you see, you know, two thirds of the people are expecting the stock market to crash, and two thirds of the people are expecting the housing market to crash. And like a broken clock, there's a day that you're going to be right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I predicted from 2006. Uh, till just recently, the interest rates were going to go up, and guess what? You're finally I, right. I am. <laughs> I Good am. job. You were right all way along. To, way to stick with it. <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> Oh, that's good. You know what, though? I I like that you're referencing, Kevin, kind of different groups and what kind of position that you left yourself in, because if if by your choices or by your own preparation or, or maybe just life circumstances, you're in a position where it's like you need the the housing market to decline or you need interest rates to come back down in order for things to work, then I I think the the risk is is that maybe that's a, a position where you don't have enough of a proactive plan in place. Yeah. And uh, ha- have you identified what are the things that are within your control instead of just sitting back and hoping that those circumstances will change or hoping that interest rates will turn in your favor or, or housing prices? There's a, a few other data points that we need to touch on as we were kind of getting a synopsis for is the consumer healthy or vulnerable? But then how does it apply to you? Are you feeling healthy, strong, or vulnerable? And what steps do you need to take? We've got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you feeling financially strong or or have you maybe overextended just a little bit and, and are a touch vulnerable? If so, what can you do to get back to financially strong or help with that? Right now, this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios. Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, and subscribe to it. Leave comments as well. Turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content. Talking about the state of the consumer today, and, I, and I'll just tell you, I mean, that at, at a high level, there's a paradox. You've got the financial talking head saying, consumer strong. Yeah, I mean, we we might have been on a recession or, or on that track, but no, the consumer's great. Consumer spending, they're strong, blah, blah, blah. And then at, and that, that's what you hear, and we see some of that. But then when you look at the overarching like facts, inflation at its highest level in 40 years, yes, coming down, but still elevated, and interest rates, borrowing costs have surged significantly. So yes, wages have come up as well. The job market is extremely strong. And yet it does feel like on average, the consumer may be strong, but yet in a vulnerable position. Yeah. I, to, to me, when you hear the, those talking heads on TV, those financial gurus uh, describing the consumer as strong, 
what they really mean is that consumers are still spending money. Are spending. So they're talking about the activity of consumers. We're we're outspending money, but it doesn't necessarily talk about the condition of the consumers. And of course, that's the one that we care the most about. All right. So so here's a couple. Sorry to interrupt. 64% of all Americans per CNBC, which you got to trust what they say, uh, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's nearly an all-time high. And you say, well, 64%, that's that's a pretty big deal. But there's more. <laughs> more than 50% of six-figure wage earners say they're living paycheck to paycheck. That is an all-time high. Hmm. So, right, the consumer is strong because they're spending. And yet that data point, which if you believe it, and, and can really, I mean, I, I don't know, how, how do they come up with that, right? That you would say, well, I'm spending on the brink, right? Okay, so why is that true? If that's true, let's assume it's true. Okay. Why is that true? Choices? Inflation? Is it is it an income problem or an expense problem? Yeah, I mean, so it, you would assume expense problem if it's a, if six figures and um, they're, you know, spending all of it, right? Right. Living paycheck to paycheck, if I'm making six figures and living paycheck to paycheck. And the I do think it is confusing because it it seems as though the, the sands have shifted underneath our feet. Like, I wasn't paying attention and I woke up and eggs are seven bucks a dozen. Or <laughs> if you're going to talk about chicken wings, I think, I think eggs are a little bit kinder and gentler as it relates to what happens to the chicken. But when, when you when you look at this, all of a sudden everything is is much more expensive. And you don't realize there's there's leakage or slippage or whatever the fancy term is, but your dollar's not going as far as it used to. Uh, and and that is clear right here. A couple other facts. So 57% of Americans can't afford a $1,000 emergency expense. Okay, I've seen a stat here. We already, Josh, you already mentioned this, or maybe Kevin. 30% on average, people are spending 30% of their income on rent. That's the highest number in more than 20 years. Okay, but here's where the rubber meets the road. If, like sands from an hourglass, no. Uh, if the sand, if Kevin's right, and sand, the sand has been shifting underneath our feet, but you're just sort of trotting along. Yeah, I mean, we we go out to eat on Fridays. We do these things, and it's all fit. And I've got, you know, I got a four percent raise, or or whatever. If life is overall more expensive, then where does that more expensive evidence really show up? Credit card debt. We are now at just under a trillion dollars. And by the time I'm saying this, I'm assuming we'll be there in total credit card debt. It increased 18.5%. That overall balance increased almost 20% all of 2022. And if that's not bad enough, interest rates on average by credit cards are now at 19%. That's a record high. And if you say, well, that's just credit cards, that's people that are not, you know, they're they're living too close to the edge. Well, then the other way you could look and say, what's the proof that in general life has just gotten more expensive and consumers are struggling to handle it? Okay, credit cards, that's one thing, set that aside. We now have a personal savings rate of just 2%, which is the lowest level in a long time. I'll just, right. uh, just say that. So you look at those two facts and say, yeah, I don't know. Consumer, okay, they're saying strong, seems vulnerable. So this this would be a time as a con- if you're listening to this, you'd be you'd fall into the consumer category 
to do some reevaluation because it it's going to be based upon my habits. If I make six figures or more and I'm living paycheck to paycheck, there's something going on with my habits that is causing me to be that close to the edge. And and especially if my if if I'm at all average, which means if I'm average, I'm paying basically 20% for my revolving credit card debt and I have it six, I don't know, 12,000, yeah. something. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of it. Um, and so this is where I would have to say, I probably need plastic surgery or some other kind of radical um, maneuver to stop doing what I'm doing and change it. Yeah. To, to me, what we're talking about is a cash flow crunch that you may or may not have perceived happening over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the sneaky thing about inflation uh, or just rising costs, shortages and things. You see it at each transaction. Every time you go out to eat, you're like, wow, I don't I don't think I remember it costing this much to feed the family. And each time you go out, it's a little bit more or yes, eggs keep getting more expensive, it, it seems. But um, the, the point, though, is one of the, the habits that you need to be keenly aware of is the budgeting habit. Mm-hmm. How visible are the cash flow crunches when they're, when they're actually happening? Because, Mike, as you were describing, um, debt is increasing, especially consumer debt, and savings is going down. Those are both the consequences or the side effects um, uh, of cash flow just getting getting squeezed. Maybe your income is going up, but if expenses are going up right with it, you may not realize that the the margins and the ability to save and, and accumulate for long-term goals has been squeezed right out with it. So personal savings rate, I'm looking at the data now, 3.3% for all of 2022. That's the second lowest rate ever. And that data goes back to the 50s, second, second lowest rate ever. And um, yeah, it's it's bad news. And now I'm smiling here while you were talking about this, Josh, because I shared this once before. But here's here's it in in real life. So my wife tells me this is probably a month ago now. My wife tells me we we need you know prices for food at the grocery store are going up so much. We need to go out to eat more. And <laughs> right, and, and, and we would all laugh at that. But here's the perspective. This is why she would say that. She's the one that does the grocery shopping. I'm the one that pays the bills when we go out to eat. Right. So she doesn't realize how, hey, yeah, the hamburger is now $15 or $12 or something like that if you go to a sit-down restaurant. And so, you know, when we run through the drive-thru at McDonald's on a tournament weekend, here's how much it costs now for the family. I remember we used to be able to get out of there for less than 20 bucks, all of us. Mm-hmm. And now I think it, I, it's, I think it's around 33 bucks for the normal, this is what we buy. <laughs> So at McDonald's, right? And only half food. the family gets food when you yeah, go out to these. Right, right. So yeah. It, so here's the thing. And and again, we're going to be taking this directly to you and, and talking about how you can be stronger. But what changes, what wins would need to change in the economy for these talking heads to say consumers strong to consumers vulnerable? I, I think changing in the labor market for sure. And, and Kevin, we were just talking before we started recording you know, tech has obviously been hit with labor shortages, but mm-hmm. it seems like there's been more as well. And so if we see a cosmic shift in the labor market, boy, that could reveal that could reveal a, a very vulnerable consumer. Yeah, I mean, well, in our neck of the woods, you have the RV industry and these companies are trying to hold on to their workforce 
by working less, so working fewer days of the week or working fewer weeks. And um, the, the, the folks that are working peak piece rate, which you can make really good money working in the RV industry when it's happening. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. um, but if it, you're if you're not prepared for the downturn, uh, it can be pretty tough. Yeah, that's right. It, so it, so changes in the labor market. You were talking about uh, changes in you know employment, which I would argue maybe will feel more like a recession. Obviously, that would impact things. Inflation and interest rates staying higher for longer. We're going to pick that one back up because I think that would ultimately reveal where the consumer stands. So we've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you feeling financially strong or vulnerable? We would want you to be feeling financially strong regardless of the factors that are outside of your control, recession, labor markets, those sorts of things. How can you be financially strong and confident despite that uncertainty? We're helping with that and more right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right, factors that could that could influence whether on average the consumer, which again, let me just tie this together, the consumer makes up 70% of the economy, the economy and the stock market are moving not exactly at the same time, but they move in the same general trend. And so the consumer obviously is a very important piece to the economy and markets. And you are one tiny grain of sand in the overall economy, but important to make sure that you're feeling healthy and strong despite what may be happening around you. Speaking of what's happening around you, guys, I yes, we've we're seeing trends that inflation has peaked and and is levelizing. That does not mean prices go back to where they were. I wish that's how inflation worked. That prices just went back to where they were. No price uh, inflation goes away when prices stay stable. When they if if gas prices go from 2 to 4, Inflation goes away as long as they don't go from four to eight. And you might say, well, gosh, that's mean. I, I know, but if they stay at four or around four, inflation is calmed down. The last time we had this flagrant of monetary policy as it relates to inflation, we saw a double top inflation, kind of a triple top, where inflation went up and then it started coming back down and everyone thought, well, it's, it's controlled. And then it went back up again because inflation was actually caused by monetary policy. There was so much manipulation that happened after COVID and during COVID. I don't know, guys. It's very possible we haven't seen the last of inflation. And if that's the case, inflation stays longer, stays higher longer, and that means interest rates stay higher longer, which continue to wreak havoc in general on the consumer. So guys, it's very possible this pinch that you may have been feeling doesn't go away immediately right and so so what now should i do because if you if you think about this i mean we're talking about statistics but really the the statistics don't even matter um what matters is you and what's going on in your life are you the strong consumer are you the vulnerable consumer and life is a confidence game so what would i do if i was not feeling like a strong consumer and i think that We've, we've already mentioned it, but I would go back and revisit my 
budget. I would revisit my habits. I a lot of for for most people, they need an external stimulus. They aren't able to do it themselves. And if you are able to do it yourself, then um, and you're good at it, then come see us because we're always hiring the right people. Because it to do financial planning in the six areas of CFP and do it right, it it requires. Um, it requires a pretty intense focus for a a long period of time, and even even yesterday, um, we I I learned something new. Yeah. And you think, well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun uh, except for that new thing I learned yesterday. <laughs> and so and so, this is where I would encourage people: if you're if you have a great coach, awesome. If you don't, I would encourage you to find one. If you're not getting it done at on your own, and you're not feeling like the strong consumer. Yeah, I I think this is a time to be calling each other to return to the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Get your foundation strong. If if uh, the economic storm that we've been uh, going through has been kind of wreaking havoc on your financial life, then getting back to those things that maybe you established early on in your life, in your marriage, that sort of thing. That can be kind of restored or um, or, or regained. I, I like that you mentioned budgeting, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the most important habits to be in. It's a rhythm that just should be part of of your financial life because you're trying to define. It. We, we keep talking about the consumer. How much? How strong is the consumer? Well, ironically, you know, the strength of the consumer is in how little they're able to spend or, or how much margin they're able to have in their financial life. Those who spend every dollar of their income, that's not a strong consumer. Correct. Right? Because they don't have the staying power. They don't have um, the, the ability to bounce back when things uh, get, get weird on them, when life throws curveballs, that sort of thing, um, when you have the unexpected events to, to occur. So, Things like getting the budget in place to create some margin between what you earn and what you're actually spending or consuming, that creates saving potential. And uh, getting emergency savings in place would be another one of those fundamentals. Those who have reserves to fall back on that can handle the rainy day or then some, um, I, I think you're just in a stronger position ultimately. Yeah. So the budget, we've talked about this a lot, but I would absolutely turn there. And I know that sounds so geeky and so boring. Certainly there's something better that you experts would offer. No, guys, th- this is this is it. And, and a budget, a monthly budget is not enough because a monthly budget just tracks every dollar that comes in and where it went. But it doesn't help you help you manage everything that Josh just talked about whether there's a change in circumstances, whether there's an emergency on the horizon, or probably the biggest, I don't know, area where credit card debt all of a sudden emerges is for an expense that you need to say yes to, or you're going to say yes to, or you've already said yes to, but it's not a monthly expense. So here's the example. For us, our family, we are in the thick of it right now. In March, there's not a single weekend that we're not traveling for sports. And in fact, in a 16-week period from middle of February to the middle of, I don't know, the summer, I think we're, we have three weekends off. It's insane. And as far as spending money, oh, it makes me sick, right, for how much we're spending. However, however, we've been saving up for that and have it set aside. And when you've got to replace tires on the vehicle, 
when you've got to go on a trip or, or do travel expenses for a child or something like that, and you're not prepared for it, you're going to put it on plastic and then you'll catch up. Well, if there's not margin, then you're not going to catch up. And all of a sudden that balance grows. So that three bank account system, that financial cash flow operating system, as Kevin calls it, you need that. It's bigger than just a budget. That's the way to make sure you don't have credit card debt and never have it again in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when cash flow starts getting tight and you start losing that margin, your ability to save for long-term goals goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're tempted to start cutting back on your retirement savings at work or saving up for those big picture goals, that kind of thing. And then the next domino to fall is that second bank account that that Mike was referring to, which is your, uh, I, I like to think of it as your debt prevention account. Mm-hmm. And um, this this is the account where you're saving for big ticket items that come around periodically, but they're not there every single month. And I think it's important to recognize inflation has been affecting those things too. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be that it's been a long time since you've gone shopping for a car. And you might be shocked at what kind of prices you see. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've shopped for a furnace, and I was getting <laughs> quotes recently. Man, it hurt my feelings, right? Yeah. You know, th- those things are going up as well. And if you're not saving, those are the things you can't play catch up on. You know, you, you have to stay out in front of them. Otherwise, you're going to have to borrow money or, or drain some sort of long-term savings accounts. And all of those things kind of weaken your position ultimately. And the only way to fight that back is to keep the margin and keep that uh, intentional savings going. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could look at, well, I could say I could reduce my long-term retirement savings right now. I I won't feel any immediate consequence. And even better, I won't feel any argument consequence with my spouse (laughs) because I can... I can slow that one down and we can continue to live the lifestyle that we've been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. That one feels easy today, but long-term it's going to be harder. So w- you've got to work with your certified financial planner, get that three bank account system in place, figure out how much you need to be saving for the future and kind of have that discipline and that accountability. If some debt has accumulated because vehicles are more expensive or you needed to make that move and buy that house or now, yeah, you're embarrassed to admit it, but you've got some credit card balances, build out that debt snowball, do that hard work, face it, face it with your CFP. They're not going to judge. They want you to succeed financially. So face it with your CFP, get on track for those goals and get a handle so that you have a strong financial situation, regardless of whether we see double top inflation or recession or whatever. So, all right, we've got more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully you got spring going on where you're where you're living or you're you're uh, you know looking forward to that. Throw those you know headphones in, going for a walk outside, whatever. Listen and catch up on every episode of the Wise Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, and leave comments and, and rate the program. We appreciate it. All right, any follow on kind of summation comments about how to fight back 
against being a vulnerable or feeling as a consumer in an, in a vulnerable situation. Any kind of concluding thoughts there, guys, for we transition and questions? Well, here's what you know. If you're doing it right, you're going to feel like an oddball. <laughs> you're you're going to feel like a weird duck, and people are going to um, look at you and say, why, why would you act like that? So uh, I, because beans today stake tomorrow. That's yeah. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the only other thing I would add, um, I'm, I'm going back to maybe the very first week of my career where Kevin made financial planning and financial success really simple. And uh, you said, if you want to know how to build wealth over time and to have financial freedom, live off less than you make and invest the difference. And you do that over an entire career, and mm-hmm. good things are going to happen. Because ultimately, you're deciding that I'm, I'm going to put a governor on how much I spend, how much I consume mm-hmm. along the way, and I'm going to do something really positive uh, and long-lasting with the difference. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're making yourself not just a strong consumer, but a sustainable consumer. You're creating opportunities for you to still be able to spend money on the things you want to spend money on way out there in the future even when the paycheck years end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of that, it doesn't have to be real complicated, but it is still difficult because it oh, requires yeah. discipline sure. over a long period of time. And it still, it takes planning in order to live off less than you make, right? Mm-hmm. It, it takes the, that budgeting habit that we were talking about. And so I, I don't know, the word of encouragement that I would just offer is if you you feel like man, that sounds simple, but I'm struggling to pull it off in my own financial life, then get some help from somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what? That, that is why certified financial planners chose the occupation that they did, to help you win in your financial life. So seek one out. That's right. All right, got a great question here. You guys know we get, lot, we get lots of questions. I've already answered this one, okay? But uh, it's, it's not every show that we're able to make it to, to listener questions. So Mike reached out on the YouTube and said, I'm 53, hope to retire or move to working part-time in the next two to three years. Have a sizable 401k and about about 40% of it is Roth. Currently, my investment allocation, 95% stock, 5% bonds in my 401k. A part of my current contribution, I have going into bonds right now. I also have an annuity from an old 401k. Should I be buying more bonds in my 401k? So you got that scenario, couple years away from retirement, an early retirement, well before Medicare, well before Social Security, heavy stock allocation inside the 401k, and he's buying, investing in the bonds within his new contributions. Should he continue doing that? Hmm. that that's a great question, Mike. It, it does feel like we would need a little more data to give you a great answer. Uh, but if I were going to take a shot, I I think it really is going to depend on how flexible your plans are. Because some people have a plan that says, I'd like to go to part-time, and if the market cooperates and you know the planets align and these things all work out, then I will. But if not, I can stay full-time and stay full-time longer than I planned on doing. If not, if you're trying to... Mike, if you're trying to create a, some sort of stream of income, then five percent in you know safe, stable, predictable, um, except for 
the year <laughs> 2022. Year. <laughs> um, but those types of investments, well, 5% of $5 million, um, that's still not a ton of money. Um, and so you say, well, what, what kind of income would you need? Because if you can go part-time and you still don't need to touch your portfolio, then I think 95.5 is fine. And if, if you're adding to, your, to the bond side of your portfolio, instead of selling stocks right now, that probably makes some sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you are buying low, right? Uh, coming off of the worst year for the bond market in history, mm-hmm. uh, prices have gotten down to levels that a lot of people didn't see coming. And so being a buyer uh, in, in an environment like that, yeah, that, that doesn't hurt my feelings. I would point out that the stock market is also down as well. But um, so, so I wouldn't be selling big parts of the, the stock portfolio, giving it time to, to bounce back. But, um, you know, ultimately, when you're if this is a retirement portfolio and retirement is just around the corner for you, um, you know, how flexible you can be in in your timing of that. Um, may allow you to continue to let things ride with the stock market a little bit more if it takes longer for the stock market to bounce back than just uh, the the time frame that you've given yourself. Do you have do you have the flexibility, the willingness to work a little bit longer if necessary? But ultimately, your retirement success is going to be dependent upon those same five factors that we're always talking about. Mm. Your your age that you retire. We just talked about, yeah, how, how much uh, willingness are you uh, giving to, to flexing on that one? Um, how much are you going to be spending in retirement? Um, you know, if, if you're going to be living well within your means and you've got plenty of income rolling in, maybe from a part-time job, or do you have a pension or, or something like that? Those are some of those details that Kevin was saying, you know, it's, you need more in order to give a, a definitive answer on this. But Remember, one of the five factors is how much risk are you taking with your investments? How much volatility is there going to be? And I'll just say that um, most people uh, probably are not marching into retirement with 95% of their portfolio in stocks. So to be building up some more in the bond uh, area or in stable type investments or income producing investments um, it, it makes sense that that would be on your radar at this point. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I think ultimately uh, this, is, this is one of those situations where a portfolio decision like this, especially this close to retirement, you got to make sure that it is within the context of that retirement forecast. Yeah, I, I immediately go to where are you going to get income from? If you're going to retire at 55, you've reach the point where you could actually draw from your 401k without paying a penalty as long as you retire in the year that you're turning 55. I did have someone retire or was sort of forced into retirement in December of the year prior to turning 55. Yeah, that that hurts. And so you've got to be aware of that rule. What's your yeah, what's what's your income? Because if you're relying on any of this portfolio for income, then it is time to start boosting those the the bond allocation. I I agree that investing in bonds right now you're you know you're, you're likely buying at a lower point, but gosh I would prefer to be investing new dollars into the stock market. I just think you're going to capture more of that volatility and more of that upswing with new dollars. And so, but do I like selling? Do, do you sell stocks right now to add to bonds? 
just so you can invest back into them. Yeah, there's a paradox there. So to me, it's got to be based on your actual financial plan. How much are you going to be drawing out? Because if you're going to retire at 55 and have part-time income, how much do you need to draw until you turn on Social Security, which could be 10 years? Can I just say something, though? Yeah. Seriously, if you're going to retire at 55 and then have part-time income, you're not retired at 55. I just got. I have to say, the fight, this fire movement, like financial independence, retire early. Like we're retired, and so now we have these three jobs. That um, now that we're retired, we have these three jobs that keep us afloat financially. I'm like, okay, then let's just say you're not retired. Can we just say that? Can we, you know, can we just enter Re- into retiring realville for a minute? Retired? Does that count? Retiring from your career, and and so to me, I just this is the perfect scenario despite you know kevin being mean for a moment there i would i I think we'd want this to work for you and your cfp would as well and so therefore crunching the numbers doing that five-factor retirement plan and having the plan drive how should your investments be allocated that's really what should happen your overall financial plan when you need the money and how much and so on that should drive your investment decisions that 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 that's it so great question mike i i hope that helps and I hope that helps you take your next wise step in your financial life. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Why Why are you looking at questions? Because you were saying, oh, we did get into them. All right, let's go. <laughs> No, that <laughs> I, we can't move on until you apologize. <laughs> wow. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.